This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Well, it's a great honor to be invited to serve with Pastor Chris and Angie, and I hope you know what outstanding young pastor and leader you have. He really is quite remarkable. Uh, for the benefit of those of who don't know our story, we came to Christian Chapel in September 1987. While I had been associate pastor for almost 12 years at that point, we were in a season of waiting for our next assignment. I'll never forget our first day here. We were right over there, and I could, I could tell you the chair which we were sitting in. But as soon as the worship started, we were just we were overwhelmed by the presence of God. And he said to me, you're home. So the next two years, we were very involved here in a variety of ways. Now fast forward to September 1989, and Pastor Richard Exley, who was the lead pastor of the church at the time, went on a mission trip. He scheduled me to preach one of the services in his absence. No sooner had he gone on his trip, I got the call to the church in Sand Springs. So almost 35 years ago, almost to the day, we ministered in what would be our last service here at Christian Chapel before assuming the pastorate at Cross Point. At the conclusion of the service, the entire staff and board commissioned us, laid hands on us, prayed over us, prophesied over us, and sent us out. And what is interesting, all those prophecies came to pass over the next 29 years. The church in Sand Springs had gone through difficult days. It needed to be revitalized. If it didn't happen, the district was gonna close the church and sell the property. But what God did was amazing. Cross Point did become a very healthy, vibrant, mission-minded church. And it still is to this day. But here's the point I want to make. It was as if the DNA of Christian Chapel was planted into Cross Point. And this church's influence on the ministry there continued for the next 29 years. Upon retiring and Selling our home in Sand Springs, we moved to Broken Arrow to be closer to family. We really not, were not sure where we belonged, but we made our way back here in January 2020. Uh, Pastor Chris was very gracious to us, made us feel welcome, and it's been a joy being a part of the Wednesday night teaching team, being a part of Jim and Carol Miller's, Carol Miller's home group, and making new friends. However, the opportunity Pastor Chris has given us, we did not see coming. Uh, before the announcement was made, there were a few friends that I, I felt I needed to tell personally. Two were young pastors who had asked me to join their staffs. And I called them and they said, you're going to do for Pastor Chris what we were wanting you to do for us? And I said, well, what can I say? He's the nicer pastor. <laughs> but, you know, all joking aside... Uh, they knew and we knew this was the plan of God. And my wife and I were not even attempted to step into a role like this in this season, even on a part-time basis, if we didn't believe it was the will of God for us in this season of our life. Uh, the journey has actually been a very emotional one for me uh, because Christian Chapel is where our Tulsa journey began. And so as we start the next phase of our journey, we want to support Pastor Chris we want to be an encouragement to you, and we want to give something back to a church that made such a powerful difference in our life many years ago. Uh, Pastor Chris has asked me to share my thoughts in this series that he started on community, and the particular mess this message we're calling Lessons from Down the Road. It is based on observations from many years of ministry, but it's also based on some experiences that we've had 
even as we left Cross Point and the transition we've made. And you know what? You never stop learning, do you? We never stop learning. But what I want to touch on are some of the benefits of belonging to a faith community and some of the elements that are necessary to make it work. So I want to say up front, community is not optional for the believer. It's not optional. Often people will say, oh, I need a church to be a Christian. Well, there may be some truth in that. But I can say on the authority of God's word, you will never reach your potential in Christ without the church. God designed it that way. Several years ago, I attended a conference sponsored by Dr. Bill Wilson's ministry called Empower 21. One of the workshops I attended dealt with relationships in the church, and it's a study which reference is certainly worth mentioning today. But first, they found that people who have two or three close friends are 98% totally satisfied within the church. Second, people who are unable to establish significant relationships in the church tend to become negative, bitter, and critical. Third, those with deep relationships in the church tend to have more firsthand encounters with the Holy Spirit. Now, that should not surprise us. The day of Pentecost occurred not when people were isolated from each other, but when 120 believers were in one accord in seeking God. But the Holy Spirit is always active where people are deeply committed to Christ and to one another. And finally, deep relationships with other growing Christians. I want you to get this. It contributes more to your spiritual growth than anything else. And they found in this study, it was even more significant than the preaching and the worship of a church. But see, living within a healthy faith community where you have deep relationships, that's transformational. Now, Ephesians 2, 19. This is what Paul wrote. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So scripture is clear on this. In Christ, you are in God's household. You belong in the family of God. You belong in the church. And we need each other, and we certainly need the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you just a few benefits of living in community. It's not an all-exclusive list. It's just a few. First, living in community, you do not walk alone. It is in community you can find meaningful relationships. And it is true, the Christian life is a walk. In the Christian life, you are never sitting still. Right now, you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're going to be. You're on a journey, and it is a walk. And in community is where I have established the richest, the most meaningful, the deepest relationships of my life. I met my wife in church. My daughter met her husband in church. And it was 35 years ago, Pam and I established relationships right here in this faith community, relationships that would be so meaningful and benefit us for years to come. When we came to Christian Chapel in 1987, the closest relationships we formed were with members of the pastoral staff. It wasn't anything we tried to make happen. It was simply the plan of God, and we cooperated with him. We enjoyed a very close relationship with Pastor uh, Exley and with Brenda, and that continued for many years. And, and Pastor Brenda, I mean, Brenda and, and Pastor Exley just meant so much to us through the years. And, and Richard often helped me 
work through challenging issues that I faced in the pastorate. I had him come to Crosspoint every year. He even became an apostolic voice uh, to the congregation in Sand Springs during my tenure there. John and Edmund Looper were pastoral care directors here. They became something of a spiritual mom and dad to us. And once they retired from Christian Chapel, I convinced them to come and serve with us part-time. And they worked with us for over 12 years. Rick and Sheila Shields were on staff here. When they launched their global mission ministry, we were one of the first churches to get on board to support them. And later, my wife would accompany, accompany Sheila on mission trips and teams would go out from the church with Rick into foreign lands. But those relationships were formed in this faith community. What was God doing? Making sure Pam and I didn't make our journey alone, and we were making sure they didn't walk their journey alone. But see, God put good people in our lives to walk with us, and we walked with them, and, and we helped each other fulfill the plan and purpose of God with our individual ministries. We never can do it alone. We're always better together. Now, Paul says in Colossians 2.6, Just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So once again, again, Christianity is a walk. Throughout the New Testament, we're told, walk in wisdom, walk in love, walk in light, walk in obedience, walk in unity, walk in the spirit, walk in Christ. It is a walk. And God doesn't want you walking alone. And several reasons to walk with others. You know, for one, it's safer. Life is just less risky. I've always felt safer when I'm with other people. I also think it's supportive. When you're walking with others, it goes a long way to keep you from giving up in life. When I was much younger, I was in a running club, and there were so many times my side would hurt, and I'd want to quit. Yet others I was running with would say, Mike, you're not stopping here. The goal is so close, you're not giving up. And it was only because of their encouragement I stayed with it. And you don't get that kind of support if you're not part of a faith community. And I'll also tell you, we make a decision to walk with others, you're doing the smart thing. There are so many times in life You've got to run your dreams, goals, thoughts, plans by others. You know, you, you could be going in the wrong direction. Hey, we all have blind spots. And you may not perceive that this is wrong, but your friends might. And it's wonderful when you have people to say to you, well, wait a minute. This doesn't feel right. You're not thinking this through. And the Bible tells us there's safety in the multitude of counselors. But if you're out there doing life all by yourself, you're not going to get the wisdom that others have to offer, nor are you going to be able to draw from their experiences. Now, here's the second benefit of living in community. Living in community, you have people looking out for you. And I'm talking about people who will stand up for you, who will fight for you, who will take up for you. I have chosen to live my life in community. And I have placed myself under the influence of great spiritual leaders and wonderful pastors. And in fact, God has used those spiritual leaders and those pastors over me to guide me into his best. It, it dawned on me when Pastor Chris first talked to me about assuming a role like this, it dawned on me since 1977, I've now served in six different ministry positions. This is my sixth one. Not once did I ever seek a ministry position. Every assignment I stepped into a pastor or a spiritual leader over me who loved me, who was looking out for me, came to me and said, would you consider this and opened the door? And what I found is in community, those looking out for me, God has used again and again to guide me to his very best. 
Philippians 2.4. It says, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. So we've got to show interest in people, interested in one another, looking out for each other. Is there anybody in your life that cares enough about you to say, I'm not going to let you get discouraged. I'm not going to let you drop out. I'm here with you. If you don't have anybody in your life like that, get somebody. And then you do that for somebody else. As followers of Christ, we've got to be deeply concerned about each other. We're family, and we should defend each other. And this isn't a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. One of my pet peeves in ministry was when someone would come to me and say, I haven't seen so-and-so at church lately. It seems they've missed a lot of services. They haven't been attending our small group meetings. Now, here's the way I feel about it. You noticed it. That means the Holy Spirit's calling you to look out for them. If you noticed it, the Holy Spirit's calling you to action. The Holy Spirit is telling you, you call them. You check on them. You go see them. Don't assume somebody else is doing it. You saw it. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, when the devil attacks you, he doesn't come in a little red costume and a pitchfork and say, boo. You know, he, how does he mess up a Christian's life? Well, he messes all of us up through habits we can't break through hurts we won't let go of, through problems we can't seem to solve, through relationships that break our hearts. He's always trying to get believers isolated because if he can get you isolated, he can bring you to a place of defeat. And the truth is too many live in defeat. And it's because they're trying to do life by themselves and you just can't win that way. You gotta have other people watching out for you and fighting with you. I love Ecclesiastes 4.10. It says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. You need others in your life. And here's another way to look at it. Community is God's answer for defeat. I, I'm telling you, there's a lot of protection when you walk with others. There's a lot of protection in community. And then third, living in community, you find support in times of need. You know, there are times we all face very harsh situations in life. Sometimes we get bad news or we face a challenge that's just absolutely overwhelming. We all need people who support us through that process. Uh, through the years, I've seen people face such heartbreaking situations. And no one should have to go through those things alone. Nobody should have to wait in a hospital room alone when a loved one is facing a life or death surgery. No one should have to stand at the edge of an open grave alone. But the fact is, those things happen. They're inevitable. We're all going to face loss at some point, And we need people in our lives. Don't go through life unprepared for something you know is going to happen. The time to build a safety net is now. What is a safety net? It's a group of other believers. You don't need 100, but you need a few close friends. You need a small group of believers that love you and believe in you. And the best place for that to happen is in a home group. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 8, what Peter writes here. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Now, he implies that we're brothers, so that means we're family. And we must be sympathetic and compassionate one to another, especially in times of need. When you're in the hospital... You don't need the entire church to visit you. You wouldn't want the entire church to visit you. St. Francis would shut you out. But it does mean a lot 
when two or three are your closest friends come to pray for you. Now, let me give you another one of my pet peeves, and it involves people leaving a church as to or why they leave a church. Sometimes a new family would come, and I would notice they'd come in late, leave early, never speaking to anybody, never attended a home group, even though they were invited, never got involved in any way. And I'm the only person in the church that knows who they are. Well, day comes, they get sick, perhaps in the hospital. I noticed they've been gone for a couple of weeks. I call, I check on them, and they say, oh, I'm leaving the church. It was so unfriendly. Nobody visited me when I was in the hospital. Well, I'm going to clue you in on something. Pastors are not omniscient. We're not the Holy Spirit. I would have gladly gone to the hospital if I had been aware of it. And, of course, they're blaming the church. Now, here's the truth. The fault didn't lie with the church in, the, in those situations. Now, the church can miss it. We're not perfect. Jesus is perfect, but there's no perfect church. But it was their fault. They never cared about anybody but themselves. They never cared enough to even speak to anybody or meet anybody. And when the crisis came, they're all alone, and they only had themselves to blame. You know, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. If you want people in your life, you got to be in their life. You want people to weep with you, you got to weep with them. You want people to love and support, encourage you. You love and you know you love and support others. I'll tell you what, when you love extravagantly, love others, God makes sure all that love comes back. He always does. But Paul tells us in Romans, we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who, who rejoice. And that can only happen if you're connected, if you're in a small group. Somebody gets a promotion, we can rejoice with you. You get an unexpected blessing, we'll celebrate that. You go through a tough time, we're going to weep with you. We'll walk with you through that process. And here's another way to look at it. Community is God's answer to despair. God doesn't want you living in despair because you're facing life challenges alone. Now, those are some of the benefits of community, but I'm telling you, that is not an all-exclusive list. That, I mean, that is just scratching the surface. But I do want to mention a couple of elements that have to be in place for community to work. Community is something we're made for, but we do have to work for it. So the starting place for community is frequency. Frequency. You have to start participating in the life of the church frequently. And I'm going to break it down for you. It starts attending a weekly celebration service like this one. And you can't just do it once in a while. You've got to come frequently. Acts 2, 46. Let's look at this. They worship together regularly, but you could also put the word frequently there. They worship together regularly at the temple each day, met in people's homes for communion, and shared their meals with great joy. But notice they worship frequently in the temple, but it didn't end there. They're also involved in meeting in homes where meals are shared. And I want to tell you something. The Word of God is up to date. It is as relevant today as it was in the first century. And people haven't changed one bit. The first century Christians enjoyed eating as much as we like eating with each other. We haven't changed at all. But there's something about meeting in homes and breaking bread 
that breaks down barriers between people and enables us to draw closer to one another. You say the life of Jesus, he often went to people's homes to minister. But in homes, we're more relaxed, we're more vulnerable, we're more open, we're willing to take risks. So now you're attending a weekly celebration service frequently. You're participating in a home group frequently. But there's one more step to really belong. You get involved in ministry frequently. See, when you start working with people, rubbing shoulders to people, working on a project to accomplish a goal, you're also building a relationship in the process. But it takes all three. When we stepped down from the church in Sand Springs, it was hard. Now, it was not hard giving up the responsibility. We just sensed our season was changing, and we wanted to go what God was doing. A lot of people try to live in an old season that has ended when God's already in the new season. And you try to stay in the old season, you're just going to be met with frustration. But we knew our season was changing. It was time to pass the baton. And again, I had no problems giving up the responsibility. And actually, the highlight of 40 years of ministry was the day I installed the new pastor. It was one of the greatest privileges of my life because I had helped mentor him. I loved him like a son, been our youth pastor, became an executive, loved him like a son, but I knew I completed what I was sent there to do. Now he and the board had asked us to stay on in a part-time capacity. And in some ways, it would have been easier emotionally. Because see, I had no problem letting go of the responsibilities. But what was hard was leaving behind a congregation that had been family to us for 29 years. I mean, we grieply, I mean, we grieved deeply over that. And it, it had been easier to stay emotionally. It was certainly going to have been a blessing financially. But after we prayed, the Lord clearly spoke to us. Step out. Move, trust me, for a new adventure. And we had stepped out three or four other times in our lives. I mean, literally stepping out into the unknown, having no idea where God was taking us. But in the process, we visited several churches. And there were some churches we experienced community immediately. One church, no one knew us. Our first Sunday there, we got invited to home fellowship groups before we even got to the auditorium. And I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive. They really made us feel wanted. But for some reason, there was no place to serve there. It's like our gifts didn't fit there. And the Bible does say our gifts make room for us. And then on another church, a lot of doors were open for a lot of ministry involvement. And I really hadn't been retired that long. And truthfully, I thought, I don't want that much involvement. I mean, I wanted to be involved and serve, but hey, I needed to break. I've been in this for 40 years and I needed to break. But for whatever reason was, relationships were really hard to come by. We're created for community and we're created to make a contribution. And I said, Lord, we've got to find that balance. Finally, we came here in January, 2020. Pastor Chris was so gracious, so kind. Uh, I mean, he quickly made me a part of the Wednesday night teaching team. And then there really was a peace. When we came here, we felt a peace that we had not felt anywhere else. And, and so there was a place to serve. But again, that wasn't enough. God's wired us for a community. And so this is in our early days here at Christian Chapel. But I prayed and I said, Lord, will we find the balance we're looking for at Christian Chapel? Pastor Chris has opened a door to serve. 
but will we find community? I mean, less than 30 minutes after praying that prayer, Jim and Carol Miller called us and invited us over for dinner. That was a sign from me, we would find community. And I'll tell you, it means a lot to someone who's new when someone in the family reaches out. But Pastor Chris opened the door to serve, but Jim and Carol sealed the deal. Why? They invited us into the family. Now I wanna add, Jim and Carol are great role models. And I just wanna challenge all of us. Let, let's look for new families to connect with. Take them to lunch, invite someone you don't know over for dinner. You know, when was the last time you reached out to someone in the church you did not know and made a new friend? You hadn't done that in a while, it's time to do it again. We need to be intentional. But here's the point. To experience community, you need a weekly celebration service frequently. You need a small group. You need to attend a small group frequently. And you need a ministry to serve in frequently. And I'm telling you, there's always plenty of ministry to go around. There's a lot of things that need to be done in this church. But frequency is an element that has to be there. And then second, this is actually the most important element to community, and that's love. You know, love is the reason for everything we do in the church. John 13 opens with Jesus and disciples sharing the last meal before the crucifixion. And in John 13, 24, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So there's two things I want to point out about that verse. First, we're to love others like he's loved us. So as we've received this incredible love of Jesus in our lives, we've got to turn around and give that love to others. Love them in the way he loved us. And second, it's our love for others that indicates we really love God. You know, it's our love for one another that proves we belong to Christ. And the Lord's desire is that Others will see this love that exists in this beautiful community and want to be a part of it. And remember one day the Lord asked this question, who is my neighbor? And in the Greek, the word neighbor means to draw nigh or to draw close to someone. And in response to that question, the Lord said, we're to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So to love someone, you've got to draw near to them. To love someone, you got to open your mouth. you got to engage them in conversation. To love someone, you got to connect with them. So to love like Jesus means I'm willing to come alongside my friends, but I'm also going to come alongside I don't, those I don't know. There is a fitness center that's near my house. I go to three or four times a week, just get some exercise. Saturday afternoons, it is just dead. And usually I had experience, and I thought this was dealing with exactly what I was talking about today. But when I was at the center, I had my AirPods on, listening to music, and I can't explain what happened. It, it wasn't in my head, but just out of my spirit, I said, Lord, is there a divine connection or appointment today? And I mean, hardly anybody's even at the gym. And no sooner I prayed that, I heard the words, walk slowly. I finished my routine, and I'm getting ready to leave, and as I do, I hear the words again, walk slowly. And as I entered the lobby, there was a young man sitting down. He had great upper body strength. 
but he had a brace on his, I mean, he was a beast. He was huge. And, and, you know, he had this brace on his leg. He had a cane. So I thought, you know, there are some mobility issues here. And as I entered the lobby, and again, I, I was walking slow thinking, what are you doing, God? He spoke to me, complete stranger. And I just stopped and went, well, hi, how are you? And he said to me, I need your help. I'm waiting for a ride, but I've got to get a protein bar in my system. I worked out hard. I forgot my protein bar. Now, I don't know what all his physical issues were, were, but it's obvious he was experiencing kind of distress and had to eat something quickly. So I pulled my car in front, took him to the nearest convenience station to get a protein bar. And the course of our conversation, I discovered he was a believer. But here's what he said to me that made an impact on me. He said, I was in bad shape. I was in distress. I had to get something to eat before my right came. And I prayed, Lord, please send someone to help me. And, and one thing that just, it just, after it was all over and I took him back, I, I was really moved to tears. And it was really two reasons for that. I, I don't care how long I walked, have walked with the Lord. Hearing God's voice is the most thrilling and exciting thing in your life. And when I hear his voice, I'm, I'm just always humbled that this great, magnificent God would speak to us and want to have a relationship with us. But then I was moved to think I was an answer to somebody's prayer. And it was as simple as taking them to get a protein bar. You know, but that experience reminded me of the importance of drawing near to others to show them the love of Christ. And I left there and I thought, you know, Lord, we would probably have more Holy Spirit encounters if we would learn to walk slowly. Walk slowly at work. Walk slowly at the grocery store. Walk slowly everywhere you go. Walk slowly when you come into the church. Because you may engage in a stranger who has walked in that knows nothing of God. And it's because of your love and kindness of what connected to this body and to the Lord. Now, I've got a twofold challenge for you today. First, you're invited to join the community. And it's for your benefit, but you've got to do your part. You've got to participate frequently and love others like Jesus. But I will tell you this. If you make a commitment to community, you will be so glad you did. You're going to benefit. It'll be worth the effort. Your life is going to be richer, and it's going to help you grow in Christ more than anything else. But second, now that we're part of community, Let's work, all work together to make the church an ever-growing community. You know, through the years, I did hear people say, oh, I just couldn't get connected. And if people left the church, I didn't want it to be the fault of the church. You know, we, we did everything we could to try to create an atmosphere where relationships could be easily formed. But we have to make the faith community a welcome community because it's really a community that belongs to Jesus. And it's for all. And the church in Sand Springs was a very close family-oriented church in that there were generations of people connected to one another. It was that way when I went there. And I thought, well, that's good. That, that, that really was one of our greatest strengths to be a family-oriented church. But I learned early on in my pastorate that that strength could also become our greatest weakness. See, a strength can always become a weakness if you misuse it. But it could become our weakness if we became such a tight-knit family 
we excluded others that God sent our way. So for that reason, it was important to me to do everything I could to make the church a welcoming community. And we all have a responsibility in that. Uh, the church in Sand Springs was also a strong mission-minded church. And we recognize, just like you do, it's local and it's global. And with mission being local, it also means welcoming new families in our midst every week. I, I told my children when they were growing up in the congregation that, that we serve that our actions always reveal what's really in our heart. See, our, our, our words are worthless unless they're backed up with action. So to be a strong mission-minded church, it meant to be as passionate about welcoming any gifts that God would send us on a given Sunday as it were about planting churches in Africa. You know, over a year ago, our youngest daughter moved to Holland, Michigan, and I'm, I'm still learning. I'm learning some things about community through her experience. And I will tell you, up until that time, she was part of this faith community. She loved it here. She was growing and thriving here. But when she went to Holland, she was so amazed at what she discovered. And, and she said to me, she said, Dad, we tend to think it's a South being friendly, but I'm seeing something of Christ in the church here I've never seen before. And she said, I know how hard you and mom worked to make the church a welcoming place. But what I'm seeing here is just at a whole new level I've never seen before. And we've had many discussions about this since. But what seems to set the church in Holland apart is while most churches want to make gifts feel welcome the first Sunday, this church wants to make you family the first Sunday. You know, on our first Sunday, two young women came up to her and engaged her in conversation. And one of the young women said, next Saturday, our women's ministry is having a luncheon. You're coming as my guest. Didn't even give her an option. You're coming as my guest. I'm buying your ticket. Now, there's something else you got to know about Jordan. She loves everything Hallmark, including the Hallmark Christmas movies. At the luncheon, the same two girls said, oh, Jordan, some of our friends are coming over to the house tomorrow night. And we are so excited. We're going to start watching the Hallmark Christmas countdown movies. You know what? This was a Holy Spirit engagement. It really was. And they said, we want you to come. Well, Jordan went. And those two young women are among her best friends today in Holland. The hospitality didn't end. It was a Sunday before Thanksgiving. An older lady came up to her and said, I haven't had the opportunity to meet you. This is a church of two or 3,000. You could go there for years and never meet everybody. <laughs> but she said, I haven't had the opportunity to meet you. And when she discovered Jordan was new, she went, oh, honey, you're not spending Thanksgiving home alone. You're coming to my house for dinner. You're going to have dinner with me and with my family. This was a complete stranger taking her in the first time she met her. And, and this is what's, what has been amazing. This has been her experience again and again and again. Now, this fall, she's going to be serving as a home group leader. She just completed the training, and she's so excited about it. Here's what she said, Dad, I now have the opportunity to create in Holland the kind of community Tyler Pride created for us at Christian Chapel. So do you see how a church's influence can continue? I mean, she's going to make an impact in that church because of her experience here. But her goal, she said, I want to create what Taylor did for us right here for the young people here in Holland. But she's just finished the leadership training, and, uh, and here's what she learned. Um, 
she learned why they, they put so much emphasis on trying to make people family the first Sunday. And, and this is what she didn't know this whole last year. But Holland is this wonderful family-oriented town with generations of generations all connected. And yet, for that reason, it can be hard to break into the town culture. Well, the church recognized that. And the church decided it did not want the town culture to dictate to the church culture what it should be. And so for that reason, they said, we want to make the church culture transformational to impact the town culture. That sounds biblical to me, doesn't it? Jesus said we're to be salt and light. But what she found was, and I mean, what, and she's a home fellowship leader now. She's responsible for this. She said, Dad. It had the emphasis there over and over. Every staff member, every lay leader, every home fellowship leader, every member of the church has to accept the responsibility to make new people family on the first visit. That's probably why it's the largest church in Holland. And, you know, true biblical community, it is exciting. And, and there's love, there's energy, there's life, and people are growing close to God and to one another. In an atmosphere, the Holy Spirit is moving. And that's the kind of community we all want to belong to and we find so attractive. Now, I'm going to close with this. A few weeks ago, Pastor Chris preached on Esther and how we, like her, are made for this moment. Now, we've only been here since January 2020, but I've already, I, I see this. There's a lot of growth taking place. And it seems that the Holy Spirit is drawing a lot of new people here. And, and just, you know, there are seasons in a church's life just the way there are seasons in our own lives personally. But just as Pam and I had to recognize the season we were in and knowing when to pass the baton, we as a church need to catch the seasons of the Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is about to lead the church into this new season, uh, bringing a lot of people here, we're made for this moment. We're made for this moment in time. And right now in our culture, especially since the pandemic, I tell you, people are hurting. That, that whole experience and things that are unfolding, people are scared. People are hurting. People are in turmoil. They're living with such uncertainty. They're isolated. They're lonely. They want deep relationships. And the church of Jesus Christ is here to help meet that need. And there could be someone that walks through the doors on any given Sunday that knows nothing of Jesus. I would not be surprised as different things unfold in our culture, that we don't see more people who really know very little of the Lord coming to his church. They're going to be hurting, looking for answers. And see, you can make a difference in someone's life every week. What if you walk slowly and you make contact with someone's new? For them, eternity is hanging in the balance. You don't know where they are spiritually. And it's because you engaged them and reached out that connected them to the body and eventually brought them to the Lord. You got a chance to make a difference in someone's life every week, every week, to make a difference in the family as well as in the guests. Because see, there's always family and there's always guests. You can make a difference in someone's life every week. Maybe there's someone sitting here and you're saying, you know, I've never known what it means to be part of a faith community and I long for that. <laughs> The good news is this community is for all and you can experience a new kind of living the moment you open your heart to Jesus Christ.
And here's the thing. Jesus did all the work on the first part by laying down his life on the cross of Calvary. And his death on the cross provided forgiveness of our sins, makes possible for us to have a relationship with God and enter into a new way of living. And you can pray right where you're sitting. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm lost without you. I accept by faith what you've done on the cross of Calvary for me. Thank you for forgiving me my sins. And I'm trusting you to lead me from this day forward. And see, in that moment, a new life begins. And he welcomes you into this beautiful, beautiful community. And it's created for all. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. His community is offered for the whole world. And I'm telling you, it is just great to be a part of a community of faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray if there's someone here this morning that has never really stepped in and made community a priority in their life, encourage them. Encourage them. There's a place for them. And I pray they're going to be in the sense a great peace and the fact they're home. They're where they need to be. This is where they can belong. And Lord Jesus, I just speak a blessing over this church and everyone here. We need each other. We need you and we need each other. Thank you for your body so we can find the support and the encouragement and the help we need and we can do life together and grow life together and experience all that you have for us. Thank you for the church and for community. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.